Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Here we go. So welcome to the podcast, Rev Shell. Today we have an amazing guest with us. Um, she's a metaphysical, physical, ooh, that's a tough word to say, metaphysical minister, a family consolation facilitator, and a clinical hypnotist. So holy moly, do we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Um, thank you for being here. And if there's anything you want to add to that introduction, um, I just keep it simple, but is there anything you feel like you want to say before we get started? No, thank you so much, Amanda, for having me here on this podcast. Um, I am so excited and grateful that you are creating the space for women uh, to talk about this topic. I think it's super important. We don't talk about it enough. And so I'm really happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, awesome. I love it. Well, um, the blog post or the the piece of writing that I'm going to read today is super personal to me because it has to do with my two daughters. Um, I am really curious and don't know a whole lot about this family constellation work. So I'm sure we will get into talking about that after I read. Um, but today I'm going to share some, and it is a fine line being a public facility, like creating my voice and my space in a public way. Um, how much do I share about my own family and their experience? But I have had two really powerful interactions with my children, with my girls, um, that I think are, are so important to share. So I'm going to share a little bit about those today. and. Mm -hmm feel free to chime in about my family constellation stuff um, afterwards, but I do want to hear um, absolutely about, about all that work. So I'll just start by reading to you. Sure. Um, and this last experience here that I start with, with my 12-year-old daughter, really did just, this, this was just recently, so I find this so fascinating. Mm. So here we go. Um, today we are talking about mothers and daughters and the conversation around abortion. Mm. So I was lying in bed reading a book when she walked in. My 12-year-old daughter climbed right up on top of me and started chatting. She's reserved, not as open with me as her sister. I treasure these times when she grabs my attention and we connect. Mom, I found this website. It's really cool, but it's sad. It shows numbers, like how many people have been born and die and how many have had abortions. Mm. Woo, she's speaking my language. Now I'm all in, fully present. <laughs> With extra caution not to make assumptions, I ask, why is that sad? And she replies, like 300,000 people have had abortions this year already. And I ask again, why is that sad? I had an abortion. This is when her body language shifts. She knew, but she didn't really know. It's been laid in front of her in multiple ways, but she was clearly still in the processing stage. Mm -hmm. This was her way of opening the door again. This was an opportunity to get some new clarity. And so we kept talking. 
she hopes she's not one of the one in four who will have an abortion in her life. And I hope that for her too. I remind her that no matter what, she will be okay. We can do hard things. It's hard for me to stay at her level. I wanna go all in, that's just me, my personality. I'm like, let's talk all the things. Um, I wanna tell her all the things, but this is her path. I'm following, she's in the lead. Her sister, now 15, was also 12 when I had my abortion. It strikes me that this might be an age when they're ready to have these hard conversations. I remember it almost like it was yesterday. Then I was in bed, still bleeding after my abortion. She laid down with me and I asked her, do you wanna know why I've been in bed? Her reply was unsure, but open. Maybe, I don't know, do I? Okay, tell me. And my reply was, so I was using an IUD for birth control. It's, it's over a hundred, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pausing reading because like it just brings me right back to that moment and mm -hmm. I can feel it so deeply. All right. Mm -hmm. So I replied to her. So I was using an IUD for birth control. It's over 99% effective, but I got pregnant. Now I'm in bed because I'm not pregnant anymore. So I'm bleeding and crampy. Oh, okay. Every time you called me all week, I was afraid you were going to tell me you were pregnant. I'm glad you're not now. That was her reply. I could feel the relief rise from her shoulders and we left it at that. I let her hold the lead. The next day, she initiated another step into the conversation. I was thinking it must be really hard to decide not to have a baby. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, I replied. To this date, it might still be the most emotionally intimate moment I've ever had with a child. We were in it together, present, aware, grateful, human. I'm not sure how she came to the conclusion. I didn't ask. It didn't seem relevant at the time. What mattered is that there was space for her to share and for me to respond and that we both felt comfortable in the uncomfortable. This isn't over. The conversations don't stop here. They will weave their way into our futures. My kids, especially the girls, will someday face these big life lessons, late periods, pregnant girlfriends, unplanned pregnancies, reproductive health choices. I'm committed to being accessible, open, and vulnerable. It's scary just because they have a mom who is comfortable with abortion doesn't mean they will choose the same. Chances are good that they will carry my pro-choice values, but I can't say for sure. I will love and accept them no matter how they care for their bodies and their futures. My job is to be an example of love no matter where our conversations take us because I want for them a life that is vibrantly delicious and intentional as the one I've chosen for myself. Take a deep breath after that. Let's talk, right? <laughs> but before we do, I do. I want to. I want to. I want to um, hold space for a second uh, in breath and for that story, and then um, because what you wrote there was so powerful in a lot of ways, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But just for a second, settle into the place that you're in and take a deep breath. 
and allow yourself to settle back into your body because I can tell that you that um, you left it for a minute and you you went back to that space and it's important yeah, to come back here. Yeah, for sure. yeah. For sure. So um, I just want to start off by saying, "Great job, mom." Because part of the conversation that we're going to have today, right, because my specialty in family constellations is mother wound healing and how that shows up um, in uh, the ways that we interact with our daughters and the ways that we hold our own stories and the ways that um, we share those stories and how our daughters um, pick up those stories and how they relate to us through those stories. And so what you did there was hold such a precious space for acknowledgement of the choice that you made for the importance and the powerful weight of that choice that you made and allow your daughters to um, be in it uh, with you as appropriate for where they were and um, in a way that uh, doesn't also force them to carry it for you and we'll talk about what that means as well yeah yeah, yeah. Well, good so job yeah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Um, so when women come to you mm-hmm. with stories like mine, maybe mm-hmm. dealt with in similar ways and still heavy on their minds, or maybe they didn't know what to say, right? They didn't know how to talk about, it. or maybe they haven't. Maybe they've lied. Maybe. Yeah. Um, let's talk about and I and I. There's a lot of work you do around fertility and having children after your abortion, at least that's my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about this same conversation of like moms out there who have their own abortion story and want to talk about it with their kids or want to keep that door open or maybe have already lied or have already kept it hidden. What, what is the impact of that from your perspective? Mm. So if we step back a little bit and understand um, a little bit more about family constellations, um, and a part of that is family mapping, what we're looking at is the impact of our choices on the whole of the family structure, or what I like to call the, fa- call the family soul. Really what we're talking about is the energetic field that a family um, exists under. Scientifically, it's called a morphogenetic field. It's this space that we hold within our family that um, really holds the stories of our family, the entanglements, the patterns. And so within that space, right, that's where um, family mapping and family constellation work is done. Can I stop for a second and ask a question? Yeah. How far back does this go? Like, are we talking like deep generations back? Are we like, what are we talking when we say like the map of our family? (laughs) I think it depends on which consolator you ask, right? So Uh my my training, my perspective has generally been, um, I usually go back no further than grandma, great grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Because in back further than that, the stories get really convoluted. We don't really have that personal firsthand understanding. Now, what we can do as we talk about like, you know, you, mom, grandma, great grandma, and I'm I'm generally doing like you, mom, and grandma. Sometimes I'll go back to great grandma just because we can definitely see a pattern. Um, But mostly we're talking about like three generations. So, so really quick in a nutshell, family mapping is the tool that I use to um, use language to find the core trauma that we're working with. So if a woman comes to me and she says, "Um, I 
carry a lot of shame around my abortion and mm-hmm. um, I need to somehow release this. I need to, I need to, to heal this wound within me because it's deeply wounding for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, I have very targeted, very specific questions that I ask to get through taking a three-generation genogram. And what happens is through language, what we call the core language approach, I can generally find where this pattern of shame comes from. Because while she's personally holding it connected to a choice that she made to have an abortion, chances are there were some other reproductive choices that mom and maybe grandma made or were not able to make or some other things that happened within the family that amplified this feeling of shame. Yeah. Yeah. What if she doesn't know that history? Like a lot of mothers don't tell their daughters that they had an abortion. So it's sitting there. Is it still part of the map, even though they don't know that it happened? It is. And sometimes through the language that my client uses, we can assume some things. Hmm. Um, it sometimes through, uh, her experience within placement in the family, we can assume that maybe there was another pregnancy before her. Hmm. Um, cause what happens when, so stepping back a little bit within family constellations, within family mapping, um, there are what's called the orders of love. And one of the orders of love is that nobody can be excluded. So when a woman chooses to have an abortion, um, and she also chooses for whatever reason, uh, whatever, I mean, we honor the reason that she chooses to keep it a secret or she doesn't talk about it or she carries shame around it. And it just becomes this deep, dark secret. What happens is, um, there is a space holder. There is a, um, an event within the family soul that nobody is acknowledging and it affects the way that she is then able to show up and parent the next child. And what happens then is the next child is, it is, but you know, this is what we find. Yeah. 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 Yeah, The next child feels like she's, they're told that they're the first child. They're the oldest. Right. But the fact is within the family soul, there was a place before them. And so really Mm -hmm. they're the second child. And when you acknowledge, I have like full body chills right now. Yeah. (laughs) So the full body chills, right? Or your body's acknowledgement that this story resonates with you in some way, right? We know if, if it sounds like you're into, you, you, you are familiar with any energy work, you do energy work. Or For you, sure. Yeah. 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 But it still always blows my mind. It t- completely. <laughs> you're like what? <laughs> so if you have, um, if there is a family space that has, um, that was occupied by, by pre- previous pregnancy, Mm-hmm. The second child may feel out of place, uh, may mm. feel a loyalty to that, that space. Uh, maybe they um, will experience some emotional effects of that space not being filled. Maybe they may feel, um, who am I to live when, you know, even if they don't know about it, right? So there are these unconscious um, emotions and feelings that happen out of loyalty because that space is not acknowledged. It's the reason that it's so important for women to have that space to grieve, to acknowledge, to own that choice, and to be able to then move forward into motherhood going, okay, I'm ready now. I can be fully present yeah. because when you're, when you're halfway present in grief and you're halfway present in shame, you can't be fully present for the next child that comes along. There's just, okay. a- so let me just clarify for a second. Yeah. Let's say I have an abortion or a miscarriage and I have not grieved that loss. I have yeah. not processed that loss. 
and then my next child comes through they are what i'm understanding is that they are taking on some of that emotional weight it's like the emotional weight yeah and they might they're uh, not necessarily aware of it but they're asking those questions like who am i to get to live this life yeah whereas if you take and give yourself the time to Mm -hmm. heal Mm-hmm. and feel all the feelings, right? Mm-hmm. That the miscarriage or the abortion or whatever it is, the stillbirth, mm-hmm. um, bring up for you, you're not, I, I, like, I feel like you have to be so careful with the language here because, and you're much more skilled at it because this is the work you do, but like, you're, you have to be really careful not to or you don't have to be anything, but you have to acknowledge that you are putting that weight, that baggage. Like I keep feeling it as baggage that you're putting on a second kid, but maybe that's just their story and they're what they came here to work through, right? It's like, so yes, 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 whoa, yes. It's all right, so all it. big right I, now to me. It, it, really, it really is. Um, you do have to be careful not to A, blame mom, blame the kid, be like, here, I made this yeah, choice, right. now you gotta carry this for me. I think it's important to understand that so much of this happens unconsciously. Yeah. Right? So these aren't, see, these aren't um, conscious stories that we're talking about, conscious stories that we're, that yeah. we're um, you know, saying to, to the, the child that comes. Of course. But if you think about, okay, so if you think about the two emotions, if you think about guilt and if you think about shame with, around abortion, because those tend to be the two common um, emotions that women carry, how that then follows into the next pregnancy is um, if, we, if we understand how pregnancy works and we know that the, a, a baby gestates and everything that mom experiences. So if we have a mom who already emotionally feels guilty, feels shame that now she's, a, she's carrying another child, but she probably would be thinking about the previous pregnancy, what it, what it would mean. Um, you know, there's so many conversations she could have with herself about that previous pregnancy that that emotional space is created within that, that her body, within yeah. the body memory she's carrying. Oh and it my gosh. Like I'm thinking to my own children and their and the stories yeah. too. Like. A miscarriage tends to be a little bit different because what you're carrying then is grief, sadness. Well, that's actually what I was processing on my own because I had my abortion after all three kids, but between the two girls, I had a miscarriage. Yeah. And I really didn't connect with that pregnancy on a deep, intimate level like I did the first because I had so much fear that mm-hmm. I would lose it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I lost the one pregnancy and um, I felt like very resolved about it. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt like I process, pre- processed my feelings around that miscarriage, okay. but I still didn't attach to that infant. Like I did, it took me a really long time to, and I, I, if I'm being honest, she's, she's the 12 year old now. And I'm still like, you're here. You're really here. Like, yeah. you're, like I can totally see that where you said yeah. just, they're gestating in that. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel guilty about it, but I can recognize that that's what, there is a big piece of that in our story and our relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And then the way that she is, that you described her as not very often coming and open to you up emotionally, think yeah. about the way, yeah. Of course, so those things, yeah, those those things, again, right? It's <laughs> crazy. It, it is. Um, I think, again, the most important thing to understand is that these, these, internal conversations are so subconscious that until we put those patterns together 
um, we just go, why is this like this? Like, why right, is it? Right. I had a client whose mom had, um, had an abortion uh, before she was born. And when I'm talking to her, she's just like, she struggles um, uh, really tough with anxiety, um, with finding her space. Um, and when we started to talk about where her place was within the family soul, it started to make so much sense to her why she feels the way she does. And within constellations, it's an experiential um, really movement of the soul where we um, are able to place the the players in the game, right? So it would be mom, her, and even maybe what would have been, you know, her brother or sister. And we start to have these healing conversations between all of them that shift mm. the energy between them back to their rightful place so that everybody is carrying their own mm. fate, right? So mom wow. is carrying her fate. The daughter as number two uh, is carrying her fate. And then the, um, the one that never came is carrying their fate, right? And, and acknowledging that, because when you think about it, when there's no acknowledgement and when there is um, the burying of the story, when no one's talking about it, there's like this kink in the way that love flows through the family, right? Mm -hmm. Because love flows parent, child, you know, and mm -hmm. so forth. But when, when that's not clear, love is flowing in like all these weird ways. And oh my gosh. I'm like writing that down. There's a kink in the way that love flows through the family. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So it all matters. Yeah. Like that's why these conversations and these spaces for women to be able to acknowledge um, the choice that they made, own the choice that they made without shame, work through the grief of it, work through the shame of it, work through, you know, whatever that emotion is so that the next time the woman makes the choice to carry a, a pregnancy, to complete a pregnancy, that she does so in an emotional space that is whole and healed and is able to be present because like you experienced, you had that miscarriage and then the whole time you're pregnant with your daughter, you're not allowing yourself subconsciously even to connect with that right totally. so then that leads to um other other things that then create a kink in the way yeah. the love flows within the family it doesn't mean that there's no love flowing it just means of course that of course some correction and i'm also thinking like if i weren't to share that story with my girls if i weren't to be open and honest and do that own work around my own healing and i actually think this is interesting I tell women like do the healing whether you tell your story or not right that mm -hmm. the healing part is what matters it's yeah. not the sharing part you don't have to yeah. get on a podcast and tell your story the way I do right. that's just my journey right. um it's the healing that matters but what I'm thinking is tell me how the map works if I didn't do that work myself mm -hmm. can it then carry to their children it could. Right? Like It could, because one of the themes within Family Constellations is an identification um, and an identity, because the first three themes of, 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 of Constellations or within the scope of the work that, that I do is a break in the bond, which is a break in the maternal bond um, mm -hmm. that happens for various reasons. That's really the crux of mother, wound, mother wounding work. Then there is a merge, which is the way that we um, mm -hmm. live life like a parent. Yeah, and there's rejection, and that's in the ways that we actively reject a parent. And then the fourth theme is an identification. So the first three are directly related to our parent. The fourth theme um, tends to be um, connected to other family members that are not our parent where they were excluded. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about a pregnancy that wasn't um, 
uh, that was hidden, that was um, never really talked about, that was never really um, acknowledged within the family soul, that um, carried a lot of shame and grief for mom. A couple of things happen. A, that excluded um, experience in the family soul will find in, in the future generations somebody through lots of different ways, right? To acknowledge that, um, so there may be somebody, maybe a grandchild, a great grandchild, who um, uh, doesn't quite feel alive or like they can um, experience life to its fullest. It can manifest in a few ways, right? But that would be one of the ways. Um, but it also creates a space within your family, your immediate family, where there's secrets and there's hidden stories. And those things, I think, always affect um, the way that a family relates to each other and the trust that we build with each other. And I'm not saying you have to go spill all your business to your, to your right, kids. Right? Right. But there's appropriate spaces to bring these stories um, and to share the complete family story with yeah, our children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even like if you've done that healing work yourself, your interactions with your children and your grandchildren are going to change. This yeah. Just, you can be more present. Right? So whether you tell them outright or not, like yeah. going to change your behavior and your love and your energy flow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a question that's been lingering for a little while here. Okay. Um, what about, and I don't know your beliefs around this, but I hear a lot in the, um, I don't, I don't know what the world is, but I hear a lot that souls who either ended in a miscarriage or an abortion may come back to the same mother, to the same womb. How does that affect the mapping or do you just not believe that's true at all? <laughs> I actually do believe that. Um, gosh, there's so many stories out there. There's a really great series on, um, I think it's Amazon. I think it's Amazon called the ghost inside my child. And yeah, <laughs> definitely watch it. And it's about children who are able to tell the stories of their reincarnation. So first full, full disclosure as a metaphysical minister, um, I'm basically a minister of the woo woo. And, um, I believe in the metaphysical versus like the religious, um, yeah, I'm not Christian. I'm not one of the five, you know, one of the major religions. I'm not, I don't, experience. Uh, I'm not a, a follower of any of the Abrahamic religions. So I'm all metaphysical, all woo, identify as, you know, um, you know, fluffy bunny witch, right? So that's how, how I identify. So I definitely believe in reincarnation. Um, I have heard lots of stories about, uh, about just that thing. So um, I think there's one in particular in that series where this little boy says, I came to you and you weren't ready. So I went back and then I came back to you when you were. Mm. And I absolutely think that that's, that happens. And so, you know, we, we focus so much on, um, I won't say we, right? So anti-abortionists focus so much on bringing that child into life or completing that pregnancy yeah. um, that they don't even have space to have the conversation about what the fate of that pregnancy was, was really for. What was the fate of it for the mother? What was the fate of it for um, that that you know, soul experience. It might not have been to come to, to full birth. It may have been created to create this whole other uh, flow of events in, in the life. And then, you know, that, that soul can come back and choose either another mother or maybe the same. I mean, it's fascinating when we think about that possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, so that is a huge piece of my story. And, um, there is, so I talk a lot about how I believe this baby came to me so I could do this work. Right. And Mm. I have a relationship with her. I I like literally engage with her in doing work. Um, and I'm sure that plays into the mapping in some way. Well, I think it's a little different aspect of it, right? So mapping a constellation is how we're doing the physical or the, the work here to heal the family soul. I think what we're talking about when, we, when we're talking about this, though, it really is, um, so there's the family soul and then there's soul families, right? So the family soul is the energetic mm. space in which okay, we work. Okay, difference, yeah. And, the, and, the, and soul families are souls that we group that are grouped together, that incarnate in different forms or another together throughout what we would call time. Yeah. You know, you meet somebody, you know, you meet your spouse and you're like, I feel like I've known you all my life or like I've known you in another life. Chances are that person is part of a soul family. Yeah. I do regression work with clients. I don't necessarily do a lot of that anymore, but when I used to, um, one of the questions that I would ask them while they're in regression is who do you notice that you notice today? So who is it that you see in this past life that you know is another person that is in your life today? And these are examples of soul families. So there's a a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I guess what I was thinking is if this is all, now I want to go read about this, but what I was thinking is if I have a relationship with that soul, whether it's true or not, in my head, I have a relationship with that soul. So let's start there. (laughs) For my kids, what does that create for them? Because for them, it's not this missing, lost, abandoned sibling. It's, Mm -hmm. It's in a sibling who essentially plays a role in our family whether Mm -hmm. I don't talk to them about their soul sibling but in my mind like she's a part of our family and what we're creating um so that to me like would make an imprint on the family soul Right. So I think what it does is it completes the family where um you guys operate as a whole entity where there's not somebody missing Mm -hmm. and they get the benefit of that um, for themselves and the way that the family operates energetically and with each other. Uh, They get the benefit of to witness what healing looks like as you model it for them. Um, And their children get the benefit of not having to identify with somebody who's been excluded. Yeah, right. I mean, I I could I see and believe as they think you do and they might not, um, listeners may not, is like they do have a sibling, right? And so this is like a piece of their story. The sibling's just not here. I want to go back for a second to that piece about like souls coming back Mm -hmm. Um, or what you said, which is they, they come to to not be born. So the weirdest thing happened for me that I have, I've talked about in other places, but I don't think I've talked about on the podcast yet where I was literally like in a state of kind of upset. And I can't honestly remember in this moment if it was before I chose to abort or after, Mm -hmm. but I did the craziest thing, which was to YouTube. Like I Googled on YouTube, like something about soul babies or abortion and spirituality, mm-hmm. which could be like a disaster. Like I, I think about that now and I'm like, that could be like the biggest disaster. And I knew I was taking a risk when I did it. But yeah, it's like a video, rabbit hole. Right? Yeah. This yeah. video popped up in which this woman said exactly what you said, which is like, 
some of these babies are just not here to be born. They're like testing the waters. What does it feel like to be in a human body for six weeks? And then they don't want to keep going. Like they're here for they're that. like, forget this. <laughs> yeah. Or they're yeah. like, I'm going to dip my toes in, but I'm not ready to be human yet. Or, or they came to shift something within. Yeah. Them to propel exactly. them to something different. So that video was so healing for me. And I've never been able to find it again. Hmm. Ever. It was not once. It, it was like the craziest experience. It literally yeah. fell into my lap gave me this deep sense of healing. I've mm. carried it with me always. And then it disappeared. <laughs> like, this is, and people are like, I want to see the video. I'm like, I can't help you. It's gone. I love it when, um, when the universe just delivers what we need exactly mm. when we need it. And then you're, it's like, it's like somebody comes and gives you this piece of wisdom and then you turn around and they're gone. And you're like, were you an angel? <laughs> you know, it's those moments where you get exactly what you need. Um, and I'm glad you had that moment because it helped you move forward. Yeah, but that, I feel like that was the first moment. And it probably was a, it was a truth I believed. Mm. And hearing that video just sealed the deal for me. It like mm -hmm. kind of like solidified it for me. Mm -hmm. um, to, to, it was like permission to believe what I already believed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Good. All right, we have gone on so many tangents probably because i had so many questions but it's what okay. have we not talked about <laughs> what have we not talked about um we've really talked about a lot we have we talked, talked about, about the, a lot yeah. like what is the thing listeners might still be questioning or confused about and listeners please reach out um did can they reach out to you i assume okay. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Your website. Yeah. I'm going to link to um, one of the blog posts you shared with me. Okay. Um, but listeners do reach out because this is like a kind of a crazy conversation. Like we're going in all kinds of directions. Yeah. Um, yeah. We are introducing concepts that many people who find this podcast, because there are not a lot of podcasts about abortion, right? And yeah, so yeah. I happen to take this deeply spiritual angle, but that doesn't mean that all the listeners who find me have that spiritual like nature and yeah. right yeah so a lot of listeners who come on here might think we are talking like complete gibberish in our woo-woo and that's yeah. okay so just ask us your questions like we're glad you found the podcast we know there's not a lot of places to process this and I always encourage people to just be open like try it on if it doesn't fit like don't wear it or yeah. Or I love that. Maybe I'll try that on again in the future. But right I now, it's recently, a little yeah. woo woo for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you know, and I also believe that people find what they need the minute in, in the moment that they need it, right? Yeah, totally. Like I found that YouTube video. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, what does it look like if someone hears this podcast or finds your website and they they're curious about all this? Like the work I do with clients tends mm. to be I do have like a one session I do with women, mm. but the deeper healing work I do is like over the course of three months or mm. you know a, a extended program. Yeah. What does this con family constellation work? actually look like if someone said i think i understand it enough that i want to do this work okay then what what well, happens I'm curious, right <laughs> um, 
So on my website, I've got quite a bit of writing and I've got some videos that I've done about that really explain what family mapping, what family constellation work is and, and, and um, starting actually to do a post about how hypnosis um, uh, works with all this. So let me explain the system as a whole. And I do work in individual sessions and then I have um, a year long program, or I should say a three module program tends to span over a year mm. um, that deal with specifically mother wound healing. Cause that is, that is my specialty. And this conversation fits so deeply within it because um, there is a potential for mother wound when women do not acknowledge, you know, the. Yeah. Um, Can the, you explain what that is mother yeah. wound? Cause again, not that I know what, I think I know what you mean, but that's another term that yeah. people may have never heard. They yeah. know they have issues with their mamas, <laughs> right? But they don't know that term. So tell yeah. us what mother. Wound so I'm going to run down the the whole the whole deal. So mother wound, um, it when you mother wound, a mother wound is the wound that, um, and I talk specifically about women because men carry it differently. So I'm gonna, I, I'm talking just with women. Yeah. A mother wound, um, a mother wound is a wound that women carry uh, when they are either overmothered or undermothered. Mm -hmm. um, there is a, um, and that's really the micro view of it. Um, there are other people out there who do really the macro understanding of mother wounds. Um, Bethany Webster is one of them and she talks about the patriarchal construct and how it affects like the collective mother wound. And that's some mm -hmm. really great reading if you're ever interested. Um, but I deal with the, with the, the micro um, effects of how that relationship with our mother really affects every area of our life. So our own mothering, um, our relationships, our finances, our careers, how that relationship shapes everything. Because when we think about it, um, our attachment to our mother, the way that we um, are mothered by her, um, tells us everything that we need to know about love, right? How we connect, how we, uh, what we think about abundance. Um, what we think about our bodies, what we think about relationships and the way that we attach to relationships, all of that is affected by our relationship with our mother. So within the themes of a break in the bond, a merge and a rejection, those three things in particular really deal directly with the relationship between um, uh, us and our mother. So um, I use the three tools. So I use family mapping, family constellation, and clinical hypnosis to help women um, connect the dots between the relationship with their mother and the issues in their life. And so somebody comes to me and they say, I've got, um, you know, I can't ever seem to hold on to a relationship. And um, I feel like I overgive to everybody. Why can't if I'm giving the best that I've got, why can't I keep a relationship? Why doesn't he love me? Or why doesn't she love me? Mm -hmm. Right? So what I would do is I would go back and start with the family mapping using the core language approach that says, okay, answer these questions for me. I'm going to take this genogram. We're going to map where this issue really started because chances are, if you're experiencing this, not only is it between you and your mom, but it's probably between her and her mom and her and her yeah, mom. Yeah. And this is a generational thing, right? So once we figure out where the, the patterns and the entanglements are within the family system, um, so it's like, uh, here's here's the family map, really. Here's the systemic view of what, um, of how people are relating within your family. We then move to family constellations that take that story, 
that we hold internally and we bring it out. And it um, can be done individually with the person, but with my client and um, objects that represent mom, dad, you know, whatever the illness is, whatever the issue is. And we work that out by having um, outward conversations that shift um, the way that we hold that story within our body, that yeah. energy around it. Um, and so it can be like, to give it a, a reference, like a more um, mainstream reference, it's very, it can be similar, but it's very different, but it can be similar to like empty chair therapy where, mm. you know, you're having mm -hmm. a conversation with oh, an empty chair. Yeah. That's an individual work. How it works in groups is, um, so I say I have a group of 10 people, the same person comes, comes forward. They want to deal with this issue. Well, we will pull a representative from, they'll, they'll choose a representative to represent mom, maybe one to represent dad, maybe one to represent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And then through the movements under this family soul, through this morphogenetic field, there tends to be this unveiling of this story, this unveiling of how to resolve this. Mm -hmm. And then the same healing sentences, the same healing conversations happen. And the goal of this really is to shift that story within your body, to allow yourself to feel it, to acknowledge it, and then to um, start to work it out so that you're no longer holding it in the way that diminishes your life force. Because these stories, these entanglements, when love doesn't flow, there are kinks in the family soul that doesn't allow love to flow. Once we get love flowing again, right? <laughs> That is where we then start to heal. So those two things work within the family system. Clinical hypnosis is where we kind of put the icing on the cake. Um, and, and there's a lot of hypnotic language and a lot of, um, you know, some of that worked into the constellation um, experience. But then what I like to do is top it off with um, some hypnosis sessions around how you personally carry that story or how you personally have triggers or connections to those issues that we're working out and we do that through hypnosis so those three things together give a really complete package of acknowledging what the issue is working it out of your body and then working it out of your subconscious personal i do one-on-one -on -one work um, uh, i do a lot of that uh, but the the core group program that i have is um, called ending the cycle of your mother wound Three modules. Mm -hmm. One module mm -hmm. is here's what a mother wound is, here's how it sits in your body, here's how we can work it out, here's what constellations are. So it's really this intro to the work. Yeah. Um, the second module is where we start to talk about relationships and parenting and um, um, you know how we can move better in those and what stories do we need to work through around those two topics. And then the third module is where we kind of bring it all together. We do some grief work around um, around the relationship and the way that you hold mom because uh, mm -hmm. this is all mother wound work uh you know we oftentimes the biggest problem or the biggest issue that we have is not even necessarily the stories but the way that we hold mom and the way yeah, that we might reject yeah. her the stories we yeah. tell about about her mm -hmm. so i create some space for women to work through and grieve that story that they've been telling themselves yeah um, because when we really think about it our problems that we experience in life really is the little girl in us still fighting for what we didn't get from yeah. our mom. Right? I get that. 
And then we start to work through, okay, what does this look like for me now? Um, how do I then create like a daughter's bill of rights where, how do I create um, adequate boundaries? How do I reshift this relationship with mom, even if it's only internally? And then how do I step into my own power as my own autonomous woman, um, acknowledging the story that I carry, mm -hmm. but also um, allowing others to carry their place in that story without me having to hold it and diminishing my own life force. So that's the, that's the course of ending the cycle of your mother wound. Yeah. That's amazing work. Um, and I want to encourage listeners to not walk away thinking like I'm broken or I broke my family or um, like, <laughs> right? Is this cra it's crazy stuff to think about it, but what it all is, is opportunity. Yeah. It's opportunity to break cycles, to learn to break cycles, to learn about who you are, to model feeling all these things and exploring all these things and not understanding all the answers. Um, so you could look at this conversation and be like, oh my gosh, I'm broken. My kids are broken. Life yeah. is broken. What's the point? But that is not the point. The point is like, all of this is just opportunity. It's like soil to become yeah. our best selves, to um, give to the world, to like share and learn and grow and serve. And yeah. so- I'm glad you said yeah. that because um, there is, you know, when, when you carry um, deep wounding around the story of your family, the, the propensity is to go to, I'm broken, right. I broke my family. Like, absolutely. Um, I've, I've been through that process myself. I deeply understand that. Um, but it is, first of all, we have to understand the facts of the family before we can ever heal anything, right? Yeah. And so um, my job as a facilitator is to walk clients through that process in a way that is um, empowering, that tells the story, and that um, helps them shift, shift that story within them. Yeah. Because if we, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. I was saying, because oh, if sorry. we don't acknowledge it, we can't heal it, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And also, just because we acknowledge it doesn't mean that it's time to heal it. It doesn't Ooh. mean you have to heal it. It doesn't mean that you're obligated to heal it. It's like, now you know this is another layer. This mm -hmm. is a thing that exists in the mm -hmm. human, like, growth, <laughs> like the being human choices we get to make. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so maybe you don't heal it. And it does carry on to your daughter. But maybe it's her fate to do the healing, right? Like. This is, I mean, I like to just think of it as like, release as much weight as you can and then decide what do you want to do? Do you want to do this work yeah. or do you not want to? Or do you want, like, you know, just like really relieve some of the pressure around it. I think every introduction into healing work is, um, is the seed that's planted, whether you do it now or you do it later. I don't think that people come into contact with the opportunity to heal without that seed being planted. Yeah. Um, and so it might not, like you said, it might not be the time. Um, but I also believe that um, we will address it and we will, when we're done carrying it, when we're done. Yeah. We're like, you know what? I, I know that there are some tools for this. Yeah. Yeah. My, I deserve, I deserve to heal this. My family deserves to heal this. And, so totally. I'm really and also to keep reminding yourself, so I can do hard things. Mm -hmm. like I did when I had my, yeah. right. For mm -hmm. most of us, that was hard. Right. So I yeah. can do hard things and it's okay to go outside my comfort zone. Right. Yeah. Just because I'm uncomfortable with this or I feel broken or I feel scared doesn't mm -hmm. mean I can't do it. Like, yeah. it's okay to get a little uncomfortable in a safe space, right? It is. And I think the other part of that, too, and, and I get a lot of questions about this is, um, well, 
you know, we don't, this isn't about blaming mom either, right? Because we can really get into this, this conversation. Well, my mom did this and my mom did that. But the way that the genogram comes together and the way that we craft the family story really is about how um, the family and the women in the family carry this story and about how mom was affected and showed up to mother you because of the way that she was mothered. And if we keep taking that story back, there's really no blame. It's no. just the story and the facts of the family. And so um, yeah, it's like away. We're all here to learn a set of life lessons. And when do we learn them? Maybe we have this perfect idyllic childhood and our mothers love us with like full flow and abundance. And then we get out into the real world and we're like, okay, wait, where now it's time to learn the hard lessons without the safety of mom and the beauty, right? So there's no right way. It's just, there there is no right way. There is no, but it's the way that it was, right? Right, right. And then how, how do we then, hold that story and create the new story that empowers us. Yeah. Now you wrote a book, right? Am I right about that? I I did write a book. I was part of a, um, I mean, I I did in a a way. Yeah. So I was part of an anthology called the strength of my soul. And I wrote a chapter within that book and it went on to be an Amazon bestseller. Yeah. And my chapter was called mitochondrial semantics. It's called And so what I was talking, and before I ever did this work, this is what's funny about it, right? Um, I I remember having a conversation with my sister because we had a really difficult childhood growing up. And I, you know, I asked her and she's, she's pretty woo woo. I said, is there a way that we can like heal our family karma? Like we've had some really messed up stuff happen. Uh, How can we heal this? And she's like, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't even exist. Um, and, and so I started subconsciously, yeah, searching for this work. So that opportunity to write in that book, um, about the ways that I thought I had escaped Mm. the influence of my mother in my own mothering and how Mm. I repeated some of the patterns, um, even though I didn't want to, even though it was painful, how I I repeated some of those same patterns. And then my daughter is also repeating some of those same patterns. So it's like this generational, um, this generational wound that we have to heal. And that's really what propelled me into this work. I saw uh, Dr. Joy DeGruy speak at a, um, a conference one time, and she does a lot of work on epigenetics. Um, she wrote a, a book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, and mm-hmm. it talks about the effects of you know, slavery on um, uh, people or, or Black people here in this country. Um, and really, the epigenetic piece of that is what stuck out for me, where um, are we really holding the karma and the yeah. effects of trauma my answer is we are I remember crying in bed and just being like why am I so sad and then asking like is this even mine and it wasn't I was I was feeling it and I was processing it and I was allowing it to flow through me but a lot of it wasn't even mine it Mm -hmm. was it just went generations back and constellation work is what allows us to shift that back to yeah so what I was going to ask you about the book is like if someone wants to read about this what's a book you recommend to read about family constellation oh gosh it's right here so um Mark Wolin I don't know if you can see this but this book it didn't start with you Ooh, so Wolin is spelled w-o-l-y-n-n yeah and I can send you a link for this okay Cool. So Mark Wolin, um, so if, if Bert Ellinger is the founder of Constellation Work, uh, Mark Wolin studied directly with Bert. Um, mm-hmm. Bert has now passed away. Um, my teacher started or studied directly with Mark. And mm-hmm. so what the, the principles that I employ in my business um, all came from um, his version of Constellation Work. 
Cool. And if anybody's interested in learning, um, it says It Didn't Start With You is the name of the book, and it's called How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How to End the Cycle. Nice, beautiful. Literally, if somebody's like, what, what book changed your life? It would be this one. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, it's Thank been a really know. interesting, really important conversation, and I'm sure it's just the beginning for a lot of people of yeah. branching out and, and stepping into their next steps. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. So great um, to meet you and to, to have this conversation. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.